0: Welcome to Australian Hunger. I am your host, Ben. On today's show, I have an interview with Keisha from Sky Harbor. Um, the first in my line of interviews with bands which are playing at ProgFest, which I'll explain a little bit more about later. But just briefly, um, I went to UMagFest. Thank you to the guys from Religious Observance for giving me a door pass to the show. Really, really awesome stuff. It was kind of this really incredible combination of bands, like which come from the I, I guess like the more disgusting wing of metal, and I say that with no disrespect, I say that as a compliment, including some sludge bands, some more general doom bands, some grind bands, some death bands. Really, really amazing show. Finally, great to see Religious Observance live and show they're really really amazing and uh yeah it was just an awesome combination of bands really really good to get out there and see them Procfest is a festival that's been going on for 10 years now i think this is the 10 year anniversary and it's a really great group of bands that play every year some of the best progressive rock and metal bands from around australia and a couple of international acts this year is no different and i I figured it'd just be a really good opportunity to interview some of these amazing talents um a couple of bands who have released new material recently. Um, I might interview a couple more who are playing later in the year when they release new material later in the year. But I'd start off with Sky Harbor, and there's going to be many bands to come during the week, so I'm going to be releasing a new interview every day this week, leading up to ProgFest. Start off with Sky Harbor, Keshav, their new album Sunshine Dust, and they'll be playing at ProgFest all three days across Australia Day weekend, 26th, 27th, and the 28th. uh the album earlier this year talk a little bit about when you started working on this one
1: um so we we technically started working on it um ar- around the the time that we were finishing up the writing for guiding lights you know uh with with guiding lights what happened was that around the around early 2014 was when we were done with the album you know and we'd given it to forrester uh for him to mix and uh, that that resulted in this long period of well inactivity because everyone was so busy uh, till i think the end of the year when we were doing a little tour of india and when we did that you know we we had some time to actually be together as a group and we you know we spent some time in my in my little studio you know and we we tried you know making some jams and that was when the initial seeds for you know the songs that would make it to the album were were formed so um, so yeah it started while dan was still in the band but i mean they were still very very nascent at that time and i think in terms of like the direction we were trying to trying to have you know go for a bit of a departure from what we had done on the last record because we were you know, that was a long album guiding lights was a really long i mean it was what 70 minutes almost and uh you know 10 songs so you're looking at like an average length of what six plus almost minutes you know so um so yeah i mean we we were kind of burned out on the whole you know long progressive you know um song arrangements kind of thing, like we wanted to just trim the fat, you know, like get you know write songs that were maybe a little more to the point, uh you know that just got to the point quicker, that kind of thing where without of course like compromising on on the things that made us sound like us, you know and we and I think we did a pretty good job with that,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely, now, one of the things that kind of. I've really loved about your band, and a lot of bands, I think in particular, have arisen over the last 10 years, is they sort of capture this very, I I don't know, sort of idea of, maybe beauty might be a good word for it, a kind of beautiful way of expressing music, of expressing emotion. What is it that kind of attracted you to this particular style? honestly i think a
1: large uh, part of this answer goes back to australia itself you know i mean when i was growing up uh, in my formative well the the bands that really inspired me to play music in this kind of vein were uh, you know bands like ocean size uh, devon townsend not strapping young lad you know but early devon townsend solo stuff ocean machine terrier that kind of thing and obviously like meshuga and stuff like that and then when you know when when those you know, when early periphery and Tesseract and these bands, you know, started breaking out, that was around the time that, you know, all, all of us, you know, like this, these bands, that was just sort of this basically bedroom producers that suddenly like became popular, you know, and like there was a demand for it to become a live thing, you know, and like an actual band and all of that stuff that happened. But I think what you said about the beauty and, you know, like the emotion and all the things that Prague has, Has rarely been about like progressive music to me. Growing up was almost like a dirty word. It was it was always about you know technical you know technical showmanship and you know just being like oh my god look at this guy you know he can play a hundred notes a minute or you know he can he can play in this bizarre time signature you know or his his feet are playing in in six eight whereas his hands are playing in twenty seven thirty or whatever you know like all these crazy numbers and like just technical things and. Progressive music was never really associated with being like really, really classy songwriting, which is something where I feel like uh, bands like Carnival, um, Dead Letter Circus, The Butterfly Effect, these really played a huge part in me personally, I can speak for myself, you know, like, uh, you know, shaping the sound of what Sky Harbor has been to, you know, to what it is. Uh, we owe a huge amount to Carnival um, and basically the big four of, of Aussie prog, you know, because that for me fundamentally changed what progressive means. It Progressive was no longer about like being technically flashy. It was basically about disregarding the, you know, chart topping formulaic verse chorus, verse chorus routine and, um, you know, expressing beautiful things and capturing all this beautiful emotion without having to, compromise on you know the memorability of a song and that's that's a very unique thing that i think uh, especially like you know simata and sound awake those two albums they captured that really really well and they they were very impactful on all of us as a band i think all our lives changed in that 2009 2000 period like in the years like right after you know sound awake released and became so popular
0: obviously you had a change in vocalist between the last album and this one Having sort of a person who obviously can do very similar things, but has a slight, you know, obviously different personality, a slightly different voice. Does that change any way in which you sort of approach a new album? I mean,
1: honestly, I think you're being, I think you're being kind. It's not slight. I mean, there's a huge difference, uh, you know, in terms of both personality and voice, like they are very, very different. Uh, it's, It's not to say that one is better than the other. They're just different. And, um, and and you know we have had to like reapproach a lot of things obviously you know as would be the case you know when you write around a whole new voice uh you know we 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 definitely wanted him we wanted eric to be to feel as much a part or have you know feel as much a sense of ownership uh, on the music as the rest of us did you know um because it's this is not an easy band to be in you know but um but i think if in many ways it was kind of like starting again which was very liberating for us because we were like all right you know we've we've released this album guiding lights with with dan and it's been this well it, it was relatively like quite a big success for you know what we were used to at the time we did a crowdfunding campaign for it which went off really really well and um and yeah it basically did well and then dan left the band right after that so we were like well fuck you know what do we do like it's it's kind of like we if we have to move forward it's kind of like starting all over again because you know like it's a whole new singer who's also like kind of an unknown quantity in like the prog world like no one really knew had heard of him or knew who he was so it was like all right we're starting again so why why don't we just you know treat this as a new beginning or a new chapter in you know the in the band uh in you know in the history of the band so so that was that was good yeah it definitely involved like a lot of like recalibration if you will you know in terms of like what how we approach everything really even conversations uh between ourselves and yeah of course the songwriting i want to move on to
0: progress now how'd you get sure. involved in
1: that i mean we just got an offer uh i mean we'd been honestly wanting to come back to australia for so long i mean we recorded our album there last year and we couldn't play any shows at that time because we were on the wrong visa <clears throat> and you know we would have gotten into trouble if we tried to play on on those visas but Uh, but this time we had a couple of offers to do a few different things. And I think ProgFest just made the most sense in terms of both in terms of like the, the fan, you know, what we would get out of it in terms of the number of people that would turn out and also, you know, logistically and financially because, man, it's hard to get over to you guys, you know, part of the world. It's really, really difficult and it's really expensive as well. Just the logistics involved in getting over to Australia are ridiculous, you know. So when when this offer came and we were like, alright, this is the one thing that we know will allow us to, like, do it
0: and do it well. So we just grabbed it. Mm, yeah, we do appreciate you coming here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So we we uh, obviously playing in the festival. Like how, how do you feel about that kind of environment as opposed to doing uh, some other sort of show?
1: I mean, we we've, we've done festivals in the past. I mean, we've done plenty of them. Uh we did we've done Download and Grassport. You know, so we know what it's like to play at uh, on a festival stage where it's like, you know, it's band after band after band after band and uh, it's it's also really exciting because it's like it's not Otherwise, when it's just a regular show, it's like, all right, cool, you know, your day is kind of set and you, you go through the motions and you know, there's long periods of boredom before you get on stage and then you get off and that's the end of it. Whereas with a festival, it's like there's always so much going on and there's so much music going on. And honestly, I personally, am just really excited to check out a lot of the bands because, I mean, like I said, the Australian uh, prog scene has been so impactful on us, uh, you know, as a band shaping the way we sound as well. So, even though none of the big four are playing, uh, there's no Carnival, there's no there's no Dead Letter, there's no Cog, there's no Butterfly. But at the same time, like there's so many sick bands that are playing that I'm just really excited to see. Like I'm really excited to see Chaos Divine. I'm really excited to see Circles as well. You know we're friends with those guys. We were on the same label as them until a while ago. So um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be amazing. I'm I'm really excited
0: to play the festival again. Yeah, definitely. I'm actually planning on interviewing quite a few other bands just because it's, it's such a good bill all throughout the cities.
1: Yeah, um,
0: yeah, absolutely. So, so this is kind of like a weird question, but I'd like to ask it of everyone who I'm talking about playing live. So when you're up on stage, what are you trying to mm-hmm. do? I think what we're trying to do is...
1: We're trying to have fun with our songs, honestly. We are—we don't really subscribe to this thing that we need to replicate the song exactly the way it is on the record, on stage. I mean, there are bands that do that. And, I mean, fair play to them if that's what they're wanting to put, you know, to present. But for us, it's like, when we're making our albums, you know, we, we, we're not jamming. You know, because of the nature of the band and the fact that we're all spread out, you know, we when we write songs, we we don't really get a chance to play them, like perform them together. It's all done piecemeal, you know, like bit by bit by bit. Uh, you know, one guy does his stuff somewhere, the other guy does his stuff somewhere else. And uh, that's usually how the songs are written. And when we go up on stage, you know, when we start rehearsing for for shows, for performances, and when we're playing these songs together, like as a unit for the first time, we just, there's so much more that comes to the surface where we're like, oh, wow, you know, like these songs can be interpreted Or, you know, like we can we can put so many cool little twists on certain parts of these songs, which we wouldn't have thought about doing because, you know, when we were writing it, it just didn't cross our minds. So when we're playing live, a lot of it is about improving on the songs themselves and also like keeping it fun and like switching things up, you know, every now and then. You Like, yeah, we try and we try and do things differently. And. It's also about making it a really immersive experience. Like one thing that you'll notice about a Sky Harbor show is that once the set starts, there's never a pause in the music. Like all songs uh, transition into one another. You know, even if it's just like a simple, you know, like an ambient interlude kind of thing. Like we, one of the things that we like to do is not have a single break in the music. You know, so that way, once you once you get invested in it, like you're invested in it all the way till the end because the music never stops.
0: I want to talk a little bit about you. Mm-hmm. So when did you start playing guitar? And what was it that sort of captured your imagination with that instrument?
1: <laughs> this is a really,
0: you know, strange and
1: rock star kind of like angsty story behind this. But so I used to I used to be uh, I used to play the piano and I used to have, you know, I used to have piano lessons and you know, learn classical piano and all of that stuff. And I was I did. I, I studied up to like grade four or five. And I think I was 16 16 or 17. And I, I mean, I had like an acoustic guitar lying at home, but i never really like messed with it. It was just like the, you know, casual playing chords and stuff. And there was this one piano lesson and my teacher was just like the most horrific individual, you know, like she was just really, really bad. Uh, there was no creativity whatsoever when it came to like playing the piano. It was like, you have to play this piece today, you know, and you have to practice it and come. Otherwise, you know, like you're, you're a failure. It was never like, what do you feel like doing? Like what kind of music do you inspires you? Any of these things. It was like, it felt like homework, you know? And there was this one moment I remember like this one, the last piano lesson I ever had where I went to my teacher's house and I think i had, I had like exams or something going on, like in, in school at that time. And I hadn't had time to, you know, like, practice the piece that she wanted me to, to learn and i went there and i was a little sloppy you know and i kept going off the metronome and you know she was just sitting there fuming and then she picked up this notebook where she would write you know well notes about each lesson and she said like in big block letters, she was like stop wasting your parents money and my time and i looked at that and i just i just felt like I just started, like, boiling from the inside. I was like, this is so fucking unfair. Like, why am I doing this? What am I doing here? There's there's no purpose in me being here. It's just, like, another assignment. This is not fun. Like, music is not supposed to be like this. And I just got up and I left. And I I remember, like, I was just crying my eyes out because I felt so humiliated. And then I put on Soundgarden. I mean, this sounds so stupid and so romanticized in hindsight. But, I mean, it's, it's a fun story. You know, and I put on Soundgarden, a bad motor finger and I cranked it really loud and I remember just screaming along with it to just like vent all my anger out and I was like you know what screw this, I'm not going to play the piano. I'm going to play, like, these guys, like, th- these rock bands that I'm listening to, they clearly are having fun playing what they're playing. Like, and it's songs that they've, they're they making. Like, I want to do that. Like, I want to have fun playing music. I don't want to be, like, this stuffy guy, like, going and playing a bunch of classical pieces for other people. That's, I mean, for other people's entertainment, that's not what I'm I'm doing this for. Fuck that. So that was basically what got me into the guitar. It was kind of like the whole rebellious, you know, like, stick-it-to-the-man kind of, kind of, you know, image behind it, which, of course, like, then later became, like, a very emotional connection with, you know, with this instrument, which, you know, was capable of so many different beautiful textures. Uh, and, you know, there's so much that you can express using it as opposed to any other instrument,
0: I think. Like, it's one of the most versatile instruments there is.
1: But, yeah, I hope that made sense.
0: Mm, no, definitely. <laughs> I think that's kind of one of the beautiful things about... Talking to some of the musicians I talk to is like sometimes they get, uh, whether it's a, a parent or a, a teacher, like they say, get told, like, Oh, what are you doing? And here I am talking to them, and they're, they're touring the world and releasing music which everyone loves. So it's kind of funny that yeah, it turns absolutely. Out like
1: that. Yeah, I mean, and I think sometimes a little negative reinforcement is all it needs, you know, is all you need to just tell yourself well okay maybe you know this is what it's all about and this is what i what excites me about music and this is what is and and some people are perfectly okay with you know just you know playing recitals or just playing whatever you know a classical piece when they've got guests over at home and you know like that's for them that's that's good enough and more power to them but Clearly, that was not something that I wanted to do, or that didn't really inspire me. So in my case, I wanted to, I mean, of course, there was a certain rock star, you know, fantasy at the behind it, which was like, you know, I want to be on stage, like playing songs that I've made, you know, be and actually be having a good time playing it, you know, not like stressing out whether I'm missing the beat or, or any of that nonsense. Like, I just want it to be fun. And I felt like the guitar was just fun. I think it was an instrument that just looked like it would be fun to get into and play and talk about, you know.
0: So, yeah, that was basically it for me. Is there anything you're listening to, reading, watching lately?
1: I am listening to a lot of uh, Olafur, Olafur Arnolds. He's this Icelandic composer. Um, it's kind of like orchestral, electronic crossover music. I've been actually been listening to a lot of ambient electronica recently you know because that's that's a sound that i feel like i want to explore both for myself and for sky harbor going forward i mean the ambience has always been a big part of our sound but actually having electronic elements like i don't know if you've heard sunshine dust but there's a song on it called the reckoning which is which is like the first half of it is basically industrial you know like emotional ambient electronic music and that's a direction that i think we all want to like explore a little bit more so i'm listening to a lot of you know music like that um in terms of watching not really all that much in recent times um you know i mean there's i mean there's some tv shows that have been there's some netflix stuff that's been cool i mean that's been coming out but i i tend not to you know get sucked into the whole tv thing because um there's only so many hours in a day and i'd rather spend that time you know working on music so yeah